was about David. He was a man after my own heart. And I think that should encourage us as men that we don't have to be perfect, right? Um, we don't even have to be guys who go out and kill animals. Though, you know, if you want to do that, feel free. You know. Legally, do that. Um, we can screw up. But the key thing is that we need to be men who pursue God, who go after God. David showed that to us in three areas of his life. One was when he was in a fight for his life, when he was up against the, the bear and, and the lion and Goliath. We read in there, what he did was he looked to the Lord and he said, the Lord would fight for me. He understood that he had to go and take that step and go towards the action, but that God would be the one who gives him the victory. Is another time he did is when he didn't understand what God was doing. And we talked about a time when he was uh, being chased by King Saul. David was supposed to be king. Saul had not relinquished it yet. And Saul was coming after David. And David was like, God, what are you doing? I'm supposed to be king. Saul's coming after me. And what did David do? He pursued God. He looked to God. He trusted in God's plan and continued to do life God's way. And then the last one is when he was confronted with his affair, when he got caught in his sin. David had an affair with Bathsheba. Then he went and had her husband killed in battle so that, you know, to kind of cover it up. As my mom always said, be careful, your sins will find you out, right? That rings in my ears today. And David was found out. But rather than doing what most men do, and that is run from the situation, try to cover it up, try to, it's not that big of a deal, or, or not even deal with it, David was a man after God's own heart, and he repented of it. He confessed it. He repented of it. He took the consequences of that sin. And he continued to pursue God because he was a man after, his own, after God's own heart. And that was our challenge for us to start the series off. Men, we need to be men who pursue God, who seek after God, who look to God in those three areas of our lives and in other areas of our life. And let me just, there's so much I could have said last week, and there's so much I could say this week, and so I'm trying to, you know, being concise here, but um, let, let me just say one more, one more thing from last week, and it kind of leads into what we're talking about this week, and that's this. Um, men, we need to be aware of what's going on in our kids' lives, okay? And we're, we're going to talk about that. I think we're having some issues here with our speaker. I apologize. We need to be aware of what's on their phones, on their computers, what's going on at school. We need to be violent. If you want to send your kids to public school, have at it. We did for part of the kids' lives anyways. And, you know, great. Make an impact for Christ. But make sure they're making an impact for Christ. <laughs> okay? You got, the school would tell you you have no right to know what's going on with your children. Yeah. You got all the right in the world. They're your children. We're buying into a lie in this society that our kids are the schools, and they're not. They're ours. We better fight for them, guys. Guys, we better fight for them. Wives, you will. We know that. We've seen it. Guys, you better start. Okay? I, mm, you know, my kids are grown up and through this already. I worked in two different high schools. I was involved in an, an entire school district. And I'm telling you guys, parents have this idea that, oh, part, I don't mean to insult anybody. <laughs> you should probably not go this route. 
We, we have this, oh, isn't that cute? It's so wonderful. Look, they're going off to school and and they're involved in sports, and they're involved in clubs, and they're going to the dances, and they're going to the activities. Oh, how wonderful, how cute, how great. I've been in schools. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying don't necessarily do all that. What I'm saying is don't be blind and think it's just a wonderful little fantasy world for the kids. The stuff that they interact with, the stuff that they see, the conversations that they have, the number of times we found alcohol at the dance in the bathrooms. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, I was talking to somebody about this um, earlier in the week. Jesus was not some mamsy-pamsy guy walking around this earth. So guys, we better not be. What an insult to Christ. Christ was causing trouble when he was on the earth. We better defend our families we better be men who pursue God. All right. I told somebody I wouldn't step on toes, but I did. Today what we want to do is we want to look at a couple obstacles that uh, I think men have when it comes to leading their families in a spiritual way. I mean, I think we all get that men need to lead their families or you know, be responsible for the families, but in the area of spiritual, um, in the spiritual life, I think we have some uh, issues and some obstacles. Just a couple that we're going to look at. There's probably more... Um, and then give some, some practical ways to help, because really it's, um, in one sense, it's really not that hard, okay? Uh, and we can do it. Before I do that, though, I was encouraged by some of the ladies last week to repeat what I repeated last week, the word to the wives, and um, they want me to repeat that each week, and so I'm going to do that for you. Um, I'm glad it made an impact for some of you. And number one is this, ladies... Don't check out, all right? Don't sit here and go, oh, well, see what's on Facebook this morning, or let's, you know, let me okay, see, I got this this week, that, put it in the calendar, blah, blah, blah. Okay, don't do that. Because the principles that we're talking about, yes, they're for men, they're directed at men, but they're very good for you as well, okay? So be praying and thinking, okay, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this? Secondly, um, you want your man to be the man God wants him to be. I, I had to read it because sometimes it gets tangled up in my tongue. You want your man, and if you're single and you're looking to the future uh, husband, you want your man to be the man that God wants him to be, not what you want him to be. Because God knows better than you do what you need. Okay? So you want your man to be who God wants him to be. And so going along with that, that is this. Please, ladies, be the one who encourages and prays for your husband. Don't stunt his spiritual growth. And here's how this happens. The husband comes to church, gets to talking to some of the guys. He's like, man, I want to I do this God's way. And so pastor or some ministry leader or some things that he's been reading says, here, do this, do that, and, and this will help encourage your wife and, and do what you need to do as a godly man. And then the wife goes, oh, you know, I'm busy. Or, you know, I know, I, I get it. You're trying to do that because the pastor told you to do it. Or, or somebody at church, you probably don't really mean it. Ladies, you are cutting your husband off at his spiritual knees when you do that. That's not your role or responsibility. God's giving you the responsibility to be his helper, right? That's what Scripture calls the woman, 
the helper. Come alongside, encourage, pray. If he's moving towards Christ, you get alongside him. So I'm here with you, baby. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Please, wives, don't cut your husband off at the knees. I've seen it way too many times. Okay, and the second group I want to talk to is men here that are, don't have kids. You're not raising kids, okay? You may have grown-up kids, that type of thing. This is for you as well, because you're going to impact children somewhere along the line. You're going to be a grand, grandfather, you're going to be you know, an uncle, you're going to meet kids, have, you know, there will be kids here at church, that kind of thing. And, and they need to see what a godly man looks like. They may not have one in their home, so they need to see. And I can look back at my years at, growing up in church, and I, can, I don't have enough toes and fingers to count the number of men in my life who were godly men who I look to today and say, wow, he was a godly man. And they, some of them don't know even. Some of them I've told. One of the things that happened to me was my, my nephew, my oldest brother's son, he's a pastor now, and several years ago uh, we happened to be talking to him and he had, you know, we were just talking about, you know, ministry, how to get into ministry, you know, all kind of stuff. And he gave us a number of different influences that he had in his life. Lo and behold, he said that, he and his wife said, well, you and Aunt Kim were a big part of that influence. Me? I wasn't even around. <laughs> He's in Chicago. I'm, you know, moving around the country, you know, being a pastor thing. But he was watching he was hearing the stories when we'd come back to visit Chicago about what was going on in the churches. And I never knew, but God used it. So, men, if you're not currently raising kids, you have an impact, an ability to make an impact. So, let's do this. All right, so let's get rolling. Again, I think we, think, we know that men should be leading their families responsible for their families, but we struggle with the area of leading spiritually. And so um, I was kind of thinking through the times I've done, like family counseling, marriage counseling, that kind of stuff, and I, I've kind of boiled it down to two main obstacles that I think men need to overcome um, in order to be the spiritual leaders that you need to be. The first one is distorted priorities. Other things seem to be more important. Our, our priorities are distorted, okay? So we're going to look at that and then kind of talk about how we get over that. And then obstacle two is feeling inadequate. You don't know how to do it. And again, I've talked to men, and these two things um, constantly come up as the issues that we deal with. So let's see how we can help remove the first obstacle by reordering our priority list. And, and when you think about what is um, the priority for men, typically, generally speaking, the priority list goes work, interests, and then... It's a, it's a gobbledygook of stuff. Family's in there. Church might be in there. You know, whatever. House, repairing the house type of thing. That's kind of what my, my hobby is, repairing a house, which isn't always so fun. But, um, but that's, that's the, the priority typically is that. Our, our number one priority for men typically is work. All right. So, what God wants the priority to be is God, family, wife, and children, wife first, then children, not children, then wife, okay, got it? God, wife, children, work, this is me now, church, 
okay? And then interest. So that's kind of, I think, how things should roll in a person's life. And I think the first three I've got nailed biblically. The other ones you can argue with me if you want, but I'm going to sit there and give you a blank stare and drink coffee. Because, you know, we can have that argument if you want, but first three I've nailed. Yes, I do. All right. So why is work not the number one priority? We need to go back to Genesis. Now, I didn't have it up on the screen. Uh, you can look in the, in, your, in the Bible there if you want, Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. I'm not going to hit them real hard. I'm just going to give you some overview uh, on this. You should hopefully have this kind of nailed, especially if you've grown up in the church. But in Genesis 1, God created man in general, man and woman, and he created them in his image. And we've talked about this. What does image mean? Image means that they are created with personhood, the ability to have a relationship with God and free will. That's part of the personhood. They can choose. We can choose. We can choose God's way or we can choose our way. All right? So in Genesis 1, they had his image in a sense of personhood. We're not gods, but we are like him in a sense we have personality. We can have a relationship. It also means purpose. He's given us purpose. And our purpose is to represent him on earth okay, and manage what he provides. That's a key thing. Manage what he provides. Okay, so this is, keep that ringing in your ears if you can. Mutter it to yourself if you need to. Uh, just not too loud because somebody might think you're having some issues. Um, so Genesis 1, personhood purpose. Genesis 2, going along with that, Adam is told, Adam is told, Eve's not created at this point, Adam is told, you need to represent me so he does that. He represents Christ or God by naming the animals and that kind of stuff. And your purpose is manage work, manage what I've given you. The fruit. That's their, they didn't eat meat at this point, guys. They're vegetarians. Sorry to say. So think about it. No sin, right? So Adam's walking around the garden, and his work is very simple, right? Walking around, not stepping on any thorns, barefoot, nice luscious grass, you know, loving it. Fruit, picking a fruit, picking a fruit, taking it home, eating it up. Pretty simple. Adam works, God provides, right? Adam didn't do anything for that fruit except pluck it because it was already there because what? God provided it. Genesis 3. Sin enters. Adam's sin, as we talked about it last week, was he was spiritually passive. His family is attacked by Satan's lie. Eve is giving into it. Adam sits off to the side, twiddling his thumbs, watching it happen. Not stepping in not pursuing God, not being the defender of the family, not answering the lies of Satan, passive, hanging out, doing his thing, and then he continues to sin by eating of it. The consequences of it is interesting. Because God said, from now on, you will have to work the ground. You will have to care for the ground. And by the sweat of your brow, you are going to have to work to get what I provide. Interesting. He's not saying 
Adam, because of your sin, the consequences you provide for your family, the consequences you're going to work harder for whatever it is that I provide for you. So now he's walking around and he's, he's probably put on some sort of sandal because there's thistles. You know, thistles are from hell. I mean, serious. I mean, there's sin, it's part of sin. You know. Everyone's like, Harold, please. You know, so they're, they're stepping, you know, and they're being careful, and then there's weeds, and they're killing the plants, and they're in there trying to make the plant live, and, you know, but the plant is coming from God. God's providing the plant. Are you, are you tracking with me? The distortion that man has is that any time we sin, what we're saying is, I think I know better than God what I should do. That's, that's sin in general, right? We make ourselves God. So the distortion is, oh, I'm going to work. We say it, don't we? We say it all the time. I'm going to work to provide for my family. No. Think of it maybe this way. You go to work, I go to work, to represent God and manage what he's provided. Huh. Doesn't that kind of put a twist on things a little bit? Because man says, no, I'm going to, to provide. And so he says, I'm providing. And I'm going to work hard because we've got a lot of bills to pay and we've got a house to take care of and cars to take care of. Then he comes home and he's so tired. You know, not talking about what the wife's been doing all day, but the guy's, oh, so tired. Man, I, I need to go for a little me time. So then he finds a hobby, and he finds some interests, and he, he gets involved in the house, because this is a distraction for him, and it helps him, and it refreshes him, and he feels good. But it costs money, doesn't it? Most hobbies I've ever had cost money. So then he's like, I've got to get back to work, because I've got to pay for not only all my needs, but all my needs. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? And what's happening to the family? The family is just off to the side. The wife's put off to the side. The kids are put off to the side. And the husband's like, God told me I must provide for the family. I'm doing what I must do. Priorities are distorted. They're, they're changed. So what should the priority be? How do we remove the obstacle? Because... What we're saying to God is, you're not the provider, I'm the provider. When God's saying, no, 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 I'm the provider, you're the manager of what I give you. So how do we remove the obstacle? We go back to Matthew 6.33, because it's one of my favorite verses, as you well know. We've referenced this numerous times, and hopefully what's happening is it's burning into your very soul. Right? But seek first, so this is Jesus talking, and Jesus is telling those who are worrying about what they should wear and eat, and he says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things, needs, will be added to you. What a great, what a great promise. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't you love to wake up every morning and go, I know how to make sure my needs are met today. You do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? Seek first God's purposes and live the way he wants you to live. So you don't go to work anymore to provide for your family. You go to work to represent him and to manage what he's given you as a job. God will take care of providing for you. Well, Harold, we've got all these bills. We've got all this. Yeah, you do. And God said he'll provide for your needs. So yeah, there might be some cuts that need to happen. 
There may be some wants that really don't need to be there. Because what's happening is you're focused so much on work that you're not doing what needs to happen. And so the first thing we do is we want to seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness. What that, what's that look like? Let's do the priority thing again. Priority number one is your relationship with God. First thing on your mind should be, my life is about my relationship with God. Spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, right? Developing and growing and understanding who God is. Pursuing God, like we talked about last week. Priority two, your relationship with your wife and then your kids. Wife first, children second. All right, that's how it usually happens in that order, and that's the order it was in Genesis. So we have a responsibility then, flowing out of our time with God, to assist and encourage what Scripture says, nurture our wives in order for them to become all that God wants them to be. And then we do the same thing with our children. We teach them and instruct them, Ephesians tells us. Then we get to work. Because if you're spending time with God, you're going to know what his priorities are, what, his, what you understand the needs are for your family. And so you're going to go to work and you're going to represent him and manage that job and do it well. You know, represent Christ well, right? Scripture says, do everything you do heartily is to the Lord. He's your boss. He's the one that you're going to be working for, and he's the one who's going to provide for you through that job. Priority four, then, is church. Men, good to see you guys here this morning at church. That's where you need to be. You need to be here. You need to be at your home saying, okay, let's go, everybody up. Let's go, let's get dressed, let's head out. We're going to church. Let's go. And even if you're thinking, oh, I really don't want to go to church, fake it. Let's go, we're going to church. This is awesome. Yes, church. Music, Caleb, the band. Harold, we're going to go to church. Let's do this. And then, next one is hobbies. Nothing wrong with hobbies, you guys. But maybe what we should be doing, and we'll talk more about this, maybe we should be bringing our families into those hobbies. If we're, not, if we're not doing that, we should, right? Hobbies are a good thing. Don't get me wrong. We need to have a little bit of a distraction, but it needs to start with God and Priorities needs to be, or the hobbies need to be the final priorities. And then here's God's promise. All these things will be added to you. God will provide for your needs. If we make God's priorities our priorities, then he promises to meet our needs. And we're going to be so glad when he does. And we're going to be glad to, if there needs to be some adjustments made in our lives, we're going to be glad to do it. And I know some of you guys have made those adjustments. I know some of you guys who have made your adjustments when it comes to church because church was getting in the way of your family. And a couple of people I've talked to about that, I high-fived them. Way to go. And they're like, pastor's high-fiving me on that one? Yeah, because we want to do it God's way. Grace point, we want to do it God's way. Because if we don't do that, our families are going to suffer. And the world that's not helping us raise our families and encourage them towards Christ is going to suck them right up. They're going to gobble them up, and we're not going to have any impact anymore in their lives. All right, I need to get rolling here. Second obstacle. I think it's a little bit easier to talk about. Um, maybe not as much as resistance from guys, if there is any resistance. Because I think they want to lead, but I think there's just a sense of inadequacy. They, I just don't really know if I can do this. I don't know if I can step out and do this. So we're going we're gonna to look at um, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. This is back in the Old Testament. It's up on the screen. I'm going to put on the old 
spectacles here. <clears throat> so it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Some other times it, it, it says uh, with your mind in there as well. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk to them, or talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and it shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here's the answer to inadequacy. It starts with just rephrasing what we've been talking about. It starts with a total commitment to a pers personal relationship with God. Right? Verses 5 and 6, you know, what did, what did it say? I think we have it up there. So, now, a general principle here for all of us, right? But speaking to men, men, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And again, others have said all your mind. These words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart, are on your heart. A personal commitment to grow and develop that relationship with God, to pursue God is the first step in not feeling like you're inadequate. What's your heart's desire? What is it that's on your mind the most? What is it as you're laying in bed comes to your mind? What is it when you're at work, maybe, and you're thinking about? What is that thing? Whatever that is, that's the desire of your heart. A simple examination would tell you, whatever you're thinking about the most is what's on your heart. God's saying, no, 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 no. I need, you need me on your heart. You need to be thinking about me all the time. You need to be thinking about how I impact the situations that you're worrying about, that you're concerned about. You need to be thinking about me. I need to be on your heart at all times. Look what King David said on his deathbed to his son Solomon. It's in First, uh, First Kings 2. And he says, he said, As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I'm going the way of the earth. Isn't that great? He's obviously a poet. I would be like, I'm dying! But he goes, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Kind of cool words from a father to his son. How does he do that? He does it by well, keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn. What, what King David was saying to soon-to-be King Saul was, you want to be a man? You want to really be who you need to be? Then you need to pursue God and you need to have that relationship with him, a personal relationship, interaction, knowing who he is. And that's how you're going to lead your family. That's how you're going to make a difference and impact your family. So if you make God and his ways, your heart's desire, your life's purpose, it's the only way for you to not feel adequate. 
again, sometimes we, we probably get done at church, we go, you know, stupid. Why did I think of that? If you want to fix something, guys, I love YouTube now. So I, we had a belt that went awry on our dryer. It's a stackable. And so Kim had been talking about it, and, and Kim's good. She's not here. She took off to get to lunch for the Connect class, so I can say this. So she, she says, so I'm, you know, I'm going to probably call one of the appliance companies. Now, if you saw my house, my house is completely tore up right now. Uh, plaster and laths off the walls. We've got studs just sitting there. We've got wires running through the house. We've got plenty of things going on that I could do. But she throws that one out there, and I'm like, you know, I need to, do, I need to walk the, the talk. And uh, so I went up on YouTube, and I found exactly how to take one of those things off. So, you know, good me, I went ahead and I, I, I took it off. I didn't know how to take one of those things off. I was inadequate. But I went to YouTube. Everything on YouTube is great, right? Yeah. So I went to YouTube and I found it. And so I watched the guy do it, and then I went over and hit pause, hit, hit pause, you know. That's how we do it with our family, right? Listen, and again, I don't, I'm talking to the choir here in a sense because you're here. Guys, and if anyone's listening on the podcast, guys, if you're not in church, for instance, well, you're not learning about God, right? Certainly, if you're not spending time with him, you're not learning from him. Um, so, the only way we're going to do that is spend time with God. Get into his word, read his word, pray, talk to him, talk about what you're reading, talk with him about what you're reading, get to know him personally, all right? Um, then take advantage of what's going on here at church. So we have Thursday night Bible study. One of the things in the Thursday night Bible study, and something we'll always be doing somewhere in the life of our church, is teaching you how to study the Bible for yourself so that you can then take it and go, oh, that's how I do that. I can't teach you that, though, necessarily, if you're not here. So come, be a part of that. If you're like, you know, here, I'd love to do that, um, love to be a part of that, love to serve in some way, you know, you could come on some Thursday nights and then maybe do child care the other nights so the other people can come who have kids who can't come now because we don't have child care, you know. Come, be a part of that. We have the, the C&D meeting. <laughs> Didn't know what to call it. So the coffee and donut meeting coming up on the, on the 10th. Show up, 8.30 that day, we're going to... A lot of you guys, I don't think, know each other. So come, get to know the other guys. We'll, we'll even have some projects around here if you want to do those and want to help with that. If you don't have time, have some donuts, coffee, get to know the guys, head on out, do your thing, whatever you got to do. We'll have some projects for you if you want to do those as well, because I know guys like to work. We have our men's leadership group. Really excited about this. The guys that do the welcome and, or the, um, the announcements uh, are part of that. I, I kind of kick them out there in front. Um, and if they don't really like it, I don't make them do it again. But they have to try it once. Okay. So it's, it's just, right now, seven guys get together with me once a month, and we talk about theology, doctrine, and ministry philosophy. And what I'm encouraging them is to know God personally, to lead their families, to know what God's Word has to say about all that. And so we're doing that. And this summer, you're going to get an email, you men, and it's going to be, hey, if you're interested in being a part of what I call the men's leadership group, I don't know why I call it it, I just am, um, come on, it'll probably be in July, come on this Saturday, and we're going to have coffee, we're going to talk about it. If you want to be a part of that, come to that, 
And what I'm going to do is my, the seven guys, we're going to split them up somehow, some way, in order to make sure that all the new guys have somebody or some a couple guys who they're going to meet with to go through doctrine, theology, mystery, philosophy. And they're going to take it. And basically what we're doing is we're going through my ordination test. That's all we're doing. And it's really not that big of a deal. The ladies are doing it on Saturday. We're doing it now because no matter where we go, what we do as a church, we need to have men who are solid, who understand Scripture, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Um, it also gives us a pool to pull from for, for ministry as well. Let me give you a real quick example because I need to wrap things up here pretty quick. My dad's 92 years old. Just turned 92 Christmas Eve. And, uh, you know, just an awesome guy. He came from the old country, came from Norway back in the late 60s, or 50s, married my mom, didn't think he was going to stay, ended up marrying my mom, stayed. Um, raised five boys. We're all married, um, all followers of Christ, all involved in ministry at one level or another, whether a volunteer, I'm the only paid guy, but everyone else does ministry some way, somehow in the church. Married Christian wives. Um, I don't even remember the number of grandkids there are. There's a bunch of grandkids. Um, as far as I understand, all of them have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. Um, now they're getting married and having great-grandkids, to my parents anyways. All of the kids, uh, at one level or another, are uh, serving pretty much. I think there's some that are not. We've had some that have gone through some struggles in their lives that they're coming back to the Lord. It's kind of a neat story. Point is this. From the time I can remember... I saw my dad, who, he was a, a furniture maker from Norway, came over here, did trim carpentry, um, rough man, you know, strong man, quiet man, but strong. Um, he was in his mid-70s, he was still walking the second floor, two-by-fours, you know, on houses when we were <laughs> working on them. It's crazy, crazy man. Anyways, here's what I saw my dad do that has left an indelible mark on my heart and my mind. Every night, I can't think of a night where he didn't do this, but every night from about 9 to 9.30, 9.30 to 10, it was always in that 9 o'clock hour, he was in the living room, one light on, Bible in front of him, maybe a little notebook or something else to decide, and he was reading scripture, memorizing scripture, and praying. The news would come out at 10, he'd go watch the news, 10.30, go to bed. Every night. Some mornings I would wake up before I should have, and I would walk downstairs, and I'd hide in the dining room, and I'd peek my head into the kitchen. And my, my dad, my mom, were praying for us. They were reading the Bible together, had a little daily bread, you know, we have out here, and then they would pray for all of us guys by name. You know, my, my parents never said, Harold, I love you. They always said, we love you guys too. But I knew my parents loved me. They prayed for me. And then on Saturday, we would all come down and be a big, huge bowl of scrambled eggs. All right? And all the guys would come down, we'd sit down, and when we were done eating, my dad would read from, us, from Scripture, and we would pray together. That was my upbringing. And of course, we were at church every time the doors were open. You know? And then we became janitors at the church, all of us guys. So we were there every day, uh, cleaning toilets. My, my point is this. <clears throat> my dad wasn't doing that on purpose, I don't think. I mean, he was doing it on purpose for himself, but he didn't realize the impact he was making on his sons. Uh, 
I got it. And so I'm, I made it a point in my own head. When I have kids, I'm not going to go into my closet to pray. I know the scripture says to do that. I'm not going to do I'm going to sit where my kids can see me. I'm going to make it a point that they see me in the word. And, and most mornings when they were younger, they'd come up and I would be reading and praying, have my cup of coffee. Uh, we would try, we weren't as good as my parents, but we would try to have our family worship times that we had before they went up to school. A cool thing is three neighbors, would, we would watch their kids before school started, so they were forced to sit and have the worship time with us. It was okay, their parents were fine with it. Um, but the son came to know Christ and is now a pastor, actually a chaplain in the military. Um, it's kind of a neat thing, had to be a part of that. What I'm saying is this, if you're spending time with God yourself, and you're coming to church and you're learning what we're trying to teach you, you're going to have what you need to make him, which is the second point, to make him the focus of your home. And that's what he says here about, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall walk, talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk in the, by the way and lie down and rise up. My dad led me to the Lord right before I went to bed one night because he used to pray with us and read different books to us and stuff. He was reading about Noah's Ark. And I accepted Christ when I was four years old because my dad would do that. Make God part of your family. And there's some simple ways of doing that. One is at dinner, okay, when you're sitting around. And even if it's just you and your wife, do this at dinner. Hey, how'd your day go? Boom, 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 boom. Talk about your day. And then say, hey, you know, maybe how did that situation would have worked better? You know, had we maybe done it God's way? Or, man, you really did it God's way that way. Way to go. Awesome. Good job. A friend of mine who I met when I moved back here, was telling me one week, he said, I, I don't know, I just can't leave my family, you know. And uh, so we were talking about it a little bit, and I don't even think I gave him some ideas. He was just kind of rambling on, and I was just kind of, yeah, whatever. Two weeks later, I see him, he's like, you wouldn't believe it. Things are so awesome in my family. Why is that? Well, because I decided one Sunday, or one day at dinner, I said, why don't everybody just right now grab their Bible, read, a, read your favorite Bible verse? And, so they, and his kids were like 10 and 11 years old. So they did. And he says, so what does that mean to you? What, what's that say? And then the kids shared what they thought about the. The next night, the kids go, hey, we're going to read the Bible again? So it became a nightly thing. And he just kind of, off the top of his head, hey, let me try that. That's it. That, again, you guys, let's not make this harder than it is. It's, it's not that hard. It's just talking about God. It's talking about Christ. It's talking about what we're learning in the Bible for ourselves. It's talking to our kids about what they're going through and say, okay, how can we impact that person's life for Christ? It's really not that hard. Man, taking your kids out fishing, taking them hunting, spending some time with them, and you just talk about the Lord. You just find ways to put God. You're out in nature. Man, isn't God awesome? What do you mean? I mean have you looked at a leaf lately? Wow, that is really awesome. That's all it is, you guys. I'm telling you, it's really, that's all it is. You talk to my kids. We tried to do that with our kids, and I think they're actually turned out pretty good so far. Uh, we're still praying for him at our knees. Let me close with this thought. It comes from King Solomon again in Proverbs 22.6. says, Train up a child in a way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now most Christians, when we read that, we go, yes, train him up in the way of the Lord. We do realize, right guys, that if we don't train him up in the way of the Lord, the same thing is going to happen. When they get old, there's a good chance they're not going to depart from the path that we laid for them. You see what I'm saying? If we're not going to make God 
the focal point of our life. And we're not going to bring God into our family and say, this is what we're about. If we're going to say, yeah, God, don't really need them. Ah, church, that's for women and children. I need to work. We're training our children to do the exact same thing. Our kids are watching us. Our wife is watching us. How we train them will determine whether they're going to move towards Christ or they're going to move away from Christ. And it's on our heads, guys. It's our main responsibility. Pursue God, lead our family spiritually, and watch God do some incredible things as he provides for our needs, provides for the spiritual growth of our kids through what he's doing in us. Well, let's just give you some things to talk about at lunch, right? (laughs) Don't roast the pastor. I can't help it. This is what I am. I'll give you some things to talk about and to pray about and to think about and discuss as a family. Before our closing prayer, I just want to give a real quick direction. For those that are going to be part of the Connect class today, we think there's about 16 of us that are going to be in there, uh, which is awesome. Uh, as soon as you're done talking, chatting, fellowshipping, doing that whole worship thing that we call fellowship, uh, head into the quad, which is just to the right and out the door to the right. Um, there'll be lunch in there. We'll, we'll try to get started about noon. There'll be uh, lunch in there, so if, you know, if I'm not in there, go ahead, grab lunch, sit down, have a seat. Um, there'll be a piece of paper close by you. Fill that all out, one per person. So if you're a married couple, husband, fill one out, wife, fill one out. We want to make sure you know your, who your children are. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Husband and wife have different... Wait. Um, so go ahead and do that. I'll get in there, and we'll get things rolling. We'll just eat and meet. Um, if you have children, I think the plan is to take them in there as well and get them lunch. I think we have a smaller table, so they can sit at a smaller table if, if you want. They can otherwise sit with you if they can sit at the bigger table. Uh, that's fine. And then once we're kind of done eating and we're rolling, um, uh, Justin and Ellie are going to take the kids and show them a video or something like that. So, um, But I just wanted to give that direction. So about noon or so, we'll try to get in there and get things rolling. All right, sound like a plan? Why don't you go ahead and stand? We'll close in prayer. And we'll let you out into the what looks like a very, very beautiful, sunny day, windy. I had a full head of hair before I walked outside. <laughs> but, uh, all right, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for today, and uh, we thank you so much for, for your word. Just an incredible encouragement it is. Lord, it's, it's just awesome that you want to be the good father that you are, and you want to provide for us, and we don't have to stress over that. We don't have to worry about providing for our family. We just need to focus on you and our relationship with you. It's really that easy. And then that's just going to flow through us. It's just going to, in one sense, it's just going to happen. And other times we're going to have to be intentional about it when it comes to our, our wife and our kids. And, but Lord, the fact that we're freed up to just represent you and to manage what you've given us because you're going to be the one who provides. Lord, I pray for the guys here. I pray for the guys that might be home today and they may listen to the podcast. Father, grab hold of us. Just Beat this into our thick skulls so we understand this and we can lead our families well. We can be men who pursue you. We can make an impact in our world that desperately needs you. Lord, help us to be like David, a man after your own heart, full of issues and problems and frustrations, but pursuing you still through it all. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Great to have you guys here. Have a great week and make an impact for Christ.